Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Brian. Uh, so good to have you back with us today. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Resurrection Day. You may notice that we're wearing our Sunday best today. We couldn't be in a church building together for Easter, but uh, we wanted to keep the tradition going of, uh, of wearing nice clothes. And so, um, so good to be with you again. Thank you for allowing us to come into your home via the internet, for allowing us to come and be with you virtually uh, as we celebrate Jesus together. This is such a significant day in the church. This is, the, this is probably the most important day of the year for Christian people. And we like to say that, you know, every day is Easter, every day is the resurrection day, every day we celebrate, but there's something so special about actually celebrating and lifting up the name of Jesus on Easter Sunday. So I'm so glad that you're watching. Uh, we want to let you know that we're here for you as a church. We're praying for you. We believe God's got a great plan for you, and we believe that his best is ahead of you, that you haven't seen your best days and your blessed days yet, that the future is great and it is bright because Jesus is Lord, because he hasn't changed, and because he is still on the throne. So we're excited today to, to be with you again. Uh, as we celebrate the joy of Easter, we're reminded of the death and the burial and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. The single greatest figure that the world has ever known was Jesus. Nobody even comes close. His resurrection and his conquering over death has stood the test of time as the most profound miracle in human history. No other event has shaped civilization as dramatically as Jesus' victory and utter triumph over death. On his way to his own demise, Jesus is orchestrating the resurrection of another man, his friend Lazarus. During this encounter, he makes a statement that should resonate deeply with not just Christians, but every person who hears it. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. We want to look at the events of Easter in the light of that amazing statement, and we want to realize something. That what took place on that fateful Sunday in Jerusalem would be the fulfillment, hear me now, would be the fulfillment of the greatest promise ever made. Not only did Jesus promise to raise himself from the dead, proving that he was the God he claimed to be, but he made an even greater promise still, that he was the essence and the source of resurrection life itself. I want us to turn to this story in John chapter 11. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to John 11 or you can read on the screen with us. John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. What an amazing and profound statement. Now, I don't know about you, 
if you were raised in church or if this is a new story to you, if you've never heard this before, but this is the account of Jesus himself standing before the tomb of his friend Lazarus, and he is about to raise Lazarus from the dead. One of the most profound miracles in all of Scripture, Jesus calling a dead man to life. Now, if you think about it, that doesn't normally happen. Resurrection is out of the normal scheme of life. People don't die and then just come back. It doesn't happen. It was a miracle. And this is a miracle that Jesus works on his way to the city of Jerusalem, on his way to be crucified himself. You could almost call it Jesus' warm-up. It's him in the batter's box getting ready to resurrect himself, and here he is resurrecting his friend Lazarus. Now, this statement that he makes is absolutely incredible for several reasons, and I want to point those out to you this morning. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. By saying that, Jesus is adding himself into a series of divine statements. Statements that God made regarding himself throughout biblical history. We have to go all the way back to the book of Exodus to find when God says for the first time to Moses at the burning bush. Moses is getting ready to go into the land of Egypt and and he's nervous. He's meeting God. He's having this encounter with God in this burning bush experience. And he asks the Lord, who do I say you are? Who do I tell the children of Israel has sent me into the land? Who, who do I say you are, Lord? And God says to him this very powerful statement. He says, I am that I am. We could say it this way. I am because I am. God says to Moses, out of this burning bush, he says, Moses, when the children of Israel ask who sent you, tell them I am Because I am. In other words, I am the God who determines my own existence. No one created me. I am the self-existent God. That's how God introduces himself to the nation of Israel. I am because I am. Trapped within that I am statement, is the understanding that God is both the creator of and ruler over everything. He is the source and the sustainer of the universe and everything in it. The fact that God could stand back and say, nobody created me, I am because I am, proves his sovereignty and his authority over everything. There is no one greater than God. And he proves it himself when he says to Moses, if you really want to know who I am, Moses, I am because I am. Nobody created me. I'm self-existent. I determine the form of my own existence. Now, why is that important? Why is that interesting? It's because Jesus adds himself in that statement. It goes on through time that God continues to remind his people of that statement, I am. In Genesis chapter 22, he says, I am your provider. In Exodus chapter 15, he says, I am the God who heals you. 
In Exodus 17, he says, I am your banner of victory. In Judges chapter 6, he says, I am your peace. And on and on and on it goes. God continued to reveal himself to the nation of Israel by saying things like, I am your healer. I am your provider. And and here's the thing. Whenever the Jews would hear God say, I am, followed by a specific trait like peace, they understood that God was declaring himself to be the source and the sustainer of peace, the ruler and the creator of peace. I want you to to remember this this phrase, source and sustainer. Whenever, Whenever the Israelites heard the words, I am, they knew that God was the source and the sustainer of whatever he was saying. I am your healing. I'm the source of your healing, and I'm the sustainer of your healing. And this went on through all of the history of of the nation of Israel, from the time of Moses all the way up through to the time of Jesus. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and he does something wild. He adds himself into that series of divine statements. And he looks at Martha, and he looks at Mary, the sisters of Lazarus, in this passage, and he says, I am the resurrection, and the life. They knew exactly what he was saying when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He was saying, I am the source of and the sustainer of resurrection life. Nobody else, my friends, in all of human history could make that claim. What a bold, bold, bold thing to do. Now, I want to pick these two statements apart for just a moment. The first one is, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. Jesus here is saying that he and he alone is the source of resurrection life. He has the ability to override death. And he's the only one that can do it. Only the source of life has the ability to bring life back into something that was dead. Not only was Jesus alive, not only was he the way, the truth, and the life, he was the source of life itself. He's the only one who has the right to command something to come back to life. He's the only one who can make something out of nothing. I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And I want you to check this out from the New Living Translation. This is amazing. This is exactly how Jesus brings to life things that are dead. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 2 says, But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Jesus from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Think about that. It's only because God is so rich in mercy. It's because God is so passionate and so caring for you and for your life that he, who is the source of life itself, actually spoke into the deadness of our life and created within us a resurrection on the inside. Verse 6, check this out. says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he has seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united to Christ Jesus. 
Jesus Christ, the one who came out of the grave on Easter, the one who made this radical declaration, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the source of and I am the sustainer of resurrection life. I want you to know God is still in the resurrection and life business. He's still breathing life into dead things. This is not something that just happened in Scripture. This is happening around the world every single day. That people find Jesus, they find God, and when they do, he breathes life into them. He restores them from the inside out. Remember, he's not just the source of life, he's also the sustainer of life. Source and sustainer, creator and ruler over resurrection life. He's not just the resurrection, he's the life itself as well. Let's look at that second statement where he says, I am the life. Jesus is saying here, I am the only one who can sustain your life. You see, it's not just good enough for God to resurrect you back to life, as good as that is, as powerful as that is, as amazing as it is. He never stops short of his best. He doesn't stop with just saying, yeah, I'm going to breathe life into that dead body again. No, he says, not only am I going to breathe life into him, I'm actually going to sustain that life. He says, I am the one who gives you the ability to continue to live, to add value to your life, to cause you to thrive in this world. Jesus is not just interested in you having a one-time encounter with him that resurrects you and, well, that's great and I had a good experience with Jesus and now I'm going to try to figure out life on my own. That's not what he's after. He's not just the source of the life. He's the sustainer of the life too. He's the only one who has the right and the ability, the authority and the power to bring you back to life and then to cause you to thrive once you're living again. Look at the scripture in John chapter 10, verse 10. Reading from the New King James, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. This is Jesus talking. We could take his words seriously. Let's look at that same verse in the New Living Translation. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, remember this is Jesus talking now. He says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. God is interested in you having a satisfied, rich life. Not coming short in any area, not falling behind, not just clawing your way into the pearly gates. Man, I'm glad I made it. Oh man, it was pretty tough down there on earth, but whoo, here I am. That's not his best for you. And that's not what Jesus meant when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the source of your life. I am the source of resurrection. And I am also the source and the sustainer of your life. My friends, a life with Jesus is a life that thrives. A life in the care and in the hands of the master is a life that is worth living. Anything less than that isn't worth living. He came not only to give us life, but to sustain us and lead us through this life so that we're never alone and so that we're never without hope. He's still in the life 
sustaining business. Just like we said he's still in the life-resurrecting business, he's still in the life-sustaining business. And he wants to sustain your life. He wants to be the source of your life and the sustainer of your life. Now, it's at this point that we come to the most pivotal moment in all of history. Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. He's continued on. He goes into Jerusalem. He goes through this whole chaos of of the Passover and the whole chaos of the trial where he's wrongfully accused. and, And then he goes to the cross, and we know all about the story of what happened on Good Friday. At this point, he's walked the lonely, isolated road to the cross. He suffered the most gruesome torture imaginable. He's taken the total weight of all of human sin, and he's died naked and ashamed on a cross, an innocent martyr killed amongst thieves. I want you to think for a moment back to Good Friday just a couple nights ago. I want you to think about what what the gravity of that situation must have been like. Here's Jesus, the spotless lamb, the one who never did anything wrong, the one who never sinned, the one who lived a perfect, flawless, magnificent life, and he undergoes the most brutal torture that anyone could undergo. And then they nail him to a tree. They nail him to a cross made out of wood which he himself created. And he hangs there totally ashamed, totally naked, totally alone. And he utters the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the most critical moment in Jesus' life. This is the most critical moment in human history. And right before he dies, he makes an amazing statement. He says, it is finished. The Bible says he gives up his spirit and he dies. Saturday comes. Saturday goes. The Bible teaches us that he has descended now down into hell itself to experience supreme punishment for crimes that he didn't commit. And in the the recesses of hell itself, something begins to happen. The sun rises on Sunday morning. The Bible says that in Luke chapter 24 that there are women who follow Jesus' ministry around, Mary and Mary Magdalene and some others, and I just have this vision in my head of them cresting a hill. Here they are cresting this hill, getting ready to come to the tomb, and they're bringing with them spices and oils and things that they're going to anoint the body of Jesus with. And as they crest the hill, something amazing happens. They look to the tomb only to find that the stone has already been moved. They're perplexed. They don't understand what is going on. I I have to imagine that immediately they had some worry and some concern. So they run to the tomb, the Bible says. We pick up that story in Luke chapter 24, verse 3. And it says that they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, these men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? 
One of the most astounding questions I think I've ever read in my life. Why do you seek the living among the dead? You see, it wasn't just a question. It was a statement. It was a statement of the supremacy and total lordship of our King Jesus, the victorious one. The one who bore all of our sin. The one who went on Good Friday and walked that lonely road to Calvary and took that hideous beating. The one who, who all of our sin was laid upon him. All of the junky, gross, nasty stuff of humanity was put on Jesus and he died for us. And in that moment, all hope seemed lost. But Sunday came, and these angels, when they're standing before these women, they ask a question that is so laced with victory. It's, so, it's got so much in it. It's not just a question, it's a statement. It says, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He rose just like he said he would. Do you remember at the beginning when I started speaking, I said that Easter is the fulfillment of the greatest promise that's ever been made. Jesus made to us a promise that he would rise from the dead. Why? Why can you say that, Jesus? Why could you be so bold as to say you could come back from the dead? Why? Because he said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the source of life. I am the sustainer of life. My friends, Jesus Christ stands alone, head and shoulders above every notable figure in human history, above every other teacher and prophet and religious leader, above every philanthropist and influencer. He stands above all others as being the only one who conquered the very essence of death because he is the very essence of life. He stands above every known government and above every economy. He stands above every world leader, great or small. I want you to get the weight of who Jesus is. He stands above all the wannabes and the has-beens. He stands above every deceiver and slick-talking con artist whose ever words were empty and whose graves are now occupied. He stands alone with no equal and no competition. The only one capable of fulfilling such a grandiose promise to us. Thank God that his words were full and his tomb was empty. There is no one else like Jesus. My friends, I, there's no one else like Jesus. His words were full of promise so that your heart could be full of promise. His tomb is empty so that your heart doesn't have to be. He hasn't changed. He's still the same today. You know, when I said that Jesus said those words, I am the resurrection and the life, did you know that's not the last time he used that phrase? I am. The last time that the Bible records Jesus using the words I am is in the book of Revelation where he declares boldly, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was and who is and who is to come. In other words, he says, I'm the start and I'm the finish and I'm everything in between. There is no one like Jesus. 
He lived for you. He died for you. He rose again for you. And he ascended for you. And just like we read in Ephesians, he wants to seat you with himself in heavenly places. If you're a Christian this morning, if you're somebody who's given their life to Jesus, I want you to know you're seated with with him in heavenly places. You're seated with the I am. You're seated with the great I am, the one who was and is and is to come. You're in his heart. You live in him and he lives in you. The alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And if you're not a Christian, if this is something that you've never heard of or if this is something that you used to live but you don't live anymore, if this is something that you've been running from, don't run from Jesus any longer. He's the only one who has the qualifications to say with boldness, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the source of life and the sustainer of your life. You want to know why he came back from the dead on Easter? Because he's the only one who actually could. Because he's the only one who actually could live up to the claims and qualifications that he made. He is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. Now, I don't know every person who's watching this. I don't know the situation that you may find yourself in. But I pray that the, that the word of God today has pierced your heart, that there is something happening on the inside of you right now. As a matter of fact, I'm willing to bet that there's something big going on on the inside of your heart right now. And if, if you're... If, 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 you've, if you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you've never submitted your heart to the great I am, if you've never said yes to the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life, then I want you to make this your moment to give your very best to him. My friend, Jesus did not hold back in giving us his very best. Likewise, we should not hold back in giving him our very lives. He hung on a cross for you so that you could live for him. He died for you so that you and I could live for him. What an amazing thing. What an amazing promise. There is no one like Jesus, and he wants to make his home inside of you right now. I want you to gather your family close. I want you to come together for a moment as we bow our heads in prayer. I want to pray for every single person that's watching. No matter what you're going through, no matter what situation you find yourself in, there is hope for you today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you today that there is nothing impossible with you. Jesus, we want to thank you that you and you alone are the resurrection and the life. That you and you alone are the one who was and is and is to come. That you hold the keys, the Bible says, of death and hell and the grave. You have triumphed mightily. And today, Jesus, we celebrate your victory. We celebrate the fact that the tomb is empty because your promise, your words were full. So the tomb is empty, and we thank you for that this morning, Lord Jesus. Regardless of what's going on around us, we turn our eyes to you, and we say thank you. We celebrate the fact that today, Lord, you're alive, that you've risen from the grave to be our hope, to be our 
to be our champion, to be the one that we can put our confidence in. And Father, I want to pray for every family that's watching, every married couple, every child, every person, single, married, family, whatever the case may be, I want to pray for every person who's watching me right now. And Lord, I pray that their heart would be infused with the hope of Easter, that their heart would be enriched this morning with the reality of who you are, that you are the promise maker and the promise keeper. We thank you for that. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. I want you to yield your heart completely to him. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming. I thank you for living for me. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for raising back from the dead for me. Today, Lord, I receive everything that you did for me. I celebrate the resurrection. I celebrate the fact that you're alive. Today I repent of my sins and I give my whole heart to you. Would you use me, Lord? Would you breathe life into me? Would you be the resurrection and the life for me? Would you make something out of my life? I give my all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us for the very first time, first of all, I want to say you just made the best decision you've ever made. If you would let us know, there's a form below the video that you're watching on this webpage. Would you let us know that you made Jesus the Lord of your life? We want to celebrate with you. And for the rest of us that are watching, we want to remind you that Easter is an amazing day of celebration. Enjoy it. Keep Jesus at the center of your Easter today. Thank, be thankful for him and enjoy your family. Enjoy the moment that you're in. Even though we can't travel to relatives' houses and have big dinners like we normally would, make today count. Make today a celebration of the one who is the resurrection and the life. There's nobody like Jesus. I want to thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with you next week for Virtual Church. This is Pastor Josh letting you know that Jesus loves you and we love you and your life counts. God bless you. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.